Well, good morning. Today is Palm Sunday, right? We're a week away from Easter Sunday, and um, God is moving amongst us as a church family, obviously with Jenny sharing. Awesome. I remember being in that gathering when uh, we were just kind of had sharing an open testimony, and she stood there and she said, I, God's doing something in me. I think he, he wants me to go to China, and this was several months ago, and so we've been kind of alongside her in that journey praying for her. That's exciting. Someone said you measured the success, if you will, of a church not by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. And as a church, we know as disciples, we've all been sent. And sometimes God sends us across the street. Sometimes God sends us to different continents. All right. And, and for, we want to be praying for Jenny as she embarks upon what God's sending her to go do and be in China. We also want to pray for Joe and Abby as they leave this morning, as they go for a week and spend time living the mission of Jesus in El Salvador. Um, And there's something special about gathering in one place as the church, as the body of Jesus. And and because last Sunday morning, during the the teaching time, there at the very end, we had a, a young lady just give her heart to Jesus right there in her seat at the very close of the gathering. She came up to me afterward just in tears and her parents, and they're just like, this is amazing. We've been praying for, for so long and just right there in the moment, right? The Spirit of God moving and touching her and right there in the midst of God's people, in God's presence, God transforms someone from death to life. And that's why we're here. That's why we gather as a church. God is moving as He's sending some of us out. He's moving amongst us here in the, as we gather together as His church. Um, you know, and, and I want to encourage you, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's a time when many people... Um, who maybe aren't gathering with the church, they don't know Christ, they don't know Jesus. It's a time when maybe they're more open to coming and gathering with the church. So I want to encourage you to bring someone next Sunday. We're going to close out our series that we've been in, Road to Resurrection. Um, and we're going to be looking specifically at the angel's question to the women at the tomb, why are you seeking for the living among the dead? And we're going to be looking at that next Sunday morning and unpacking that a little bit. So I want to encourage you next Sunday to bring some people with you as we um, share the gospel once again next Sunday morning. And I would love to see this space just packed out with people that need to hear about the gospel of Jesus. And they need to be transformed by his gospel this morning and next week as well. If you have a Bible, turn in the Bible to the gospel of Luke chapter 23. The gospel of Luke chapter 23 verses 44 through 49 this morning, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, I would encourage you to to find that as well. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 44 through 49. It was roughly about five years ago today that I had the privilege alongside of my wife, Andrea, and some friends of ours who pastor the Mount Auburn Living Community, Dave and Autumn Ferguson, and Joseph as well. We had the privilege to go backstage about five years ago, and meet two people that have um, influenced my life from afar, one through his music and the other through his teaching. And about five years ago, we had the privilege of going backstage and meeting Chris Tomlin and Louis Giglio, two guys that have just had an incredible influence, Louis through his teaching. He pastors a church in Atlanta, been part of the Passion Movement and obviously, Chris Tomlin, many of you know him, and we sing one of his songs, worship songs this morning, You're a Good, Good Father. And so, you know, there's something about, right, being able to go backstage. How many of you have ever had the opportunity to go backstage and meet, like, maybe the cast of a play or maybe a, a, an artist or something like that? Anyone? Okay, some of you have had that, that privilege, right, of being able to go backstage. And, you know, I was in my, when, how old was I? I was in my late 30s when I had that opportunity, but I was like a teenager, 
right? Going back there, I'm like, you get the little backstage pass thing around. You just can't wait, you know, to get in line and meet them. And you think like you're going to be buddies. You think you're going to be friends for life, right? And you're kind of hopeful. Maybe Louie would be like, so what, you know, what church do you pastor? Man, we should hang out. Here's my email. You know, really all it was was, hi, I'm Louie. Hi, I'm Chris. And we're out the door. I mean, that was pretty much it. Right? But there was something about being able to meet and be in the presence of people that have influenced my life. There's something unique about being able to go backstage. There's something unique and, and very purposeful about being able to go behind the curtain. And I want to look at Luke chapter 23 this morning, verses 44 through 49. It was now about the sixth hour, that's noon, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That's 3 p.m. So for three straight hours, there's this thick darkness over the entire region of Jerusalem. And he goes on, verse 45, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, Jesus breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts in grief and mourning. And all Jesus' acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Father, we, we gather this morning as an expression of your people from all over the globe. And we are blessed and privileged to be in your presence. And I pray now that as we open up the truth of your scriptures, the truth of your word, that you would point us to the truth of who you are. And you would help us to see just what a good, good father you really are. And Lord, you would take your Holy Spirit and your Holy Spirit would take this truth and penetrate deep within our souls this morning. Areas of life that need confession, areas of life that need obedience. And that we would be encouraged and convicted all in the same breath because of your truth and because of your presence this morning. So move in this space. We welcome you. And it's in your son's name this is possible. Amen. Have you ever felt distant from God? I mean, have you ever, ever felt just distant in your walk with Jesus? Or maybe there's been moments when you felt unworthy to be in the presence of God. Or maybe it's been some time since you've really been in the presence of God. If, you, if you've ever experienced that distance, that that gap, if you will, in your walk with God. If you've, if you've ever felt like you're unworthy to be in the presence of God, then Jesus' road to resurrection is absolute great news for you. Incredible great news. Because it's here at this moment, this specific moment, with darkness over the region and this curtain of the temple being torn, it's here where God says to you, come close. Enter, draw near. It's at this moment in history where God says, no matter how far from me you may feel, or no matter how far from me you may have run, 
God says to you at this moment, get in here, come backstage. Come be with me. Come behind the curtain. Come spend time with me. Come be in my presence. And so if you're here and you've ever felt that distance from God or you feel unworthy of being in the presence of God or it's been some time since you've been in the presence of God, right here in this moment, this is such good news for you and me because it's here where God says to you, get in here. <laughs> come on. I, I want you to come behind the curtain and I want you to get backstage and, and I just want you to be with me. And that's good news. That's great news. And the setting is this, as we've looked over the past several weeks, it's Passover season in the Jewish calendar. It's kind of their Independence Day, if you will. Jesus has been in the upper room and he's redefined greatness to his disciples by taking up a towel, picking up a towel and washing their feet. And then from that upper room, he goes into the garden and he prays. And then he goes from the garden and he's betrayed by one of his own Judas. And then from there, he's arrested and he ends up trading places with a criminal named Barabbas. And there God illustrates for us that on the cross, God removes our guilt. So Jesus on this road to resurrection reveals that he redefines greatness and through the cross, he removes our guilt. And then here we have him now hanging on the cross, hanging on the cross between two criminals. And there's this three hour darkness that overtakes the land. It's this supernatural darkness. It's noon. When is the sun usually the brightest and the hottest? It's this time of day and there's darkness over the land. Well, what's the darkness mean? What's the darkness signify? Well, darkness throughout scripture often signified God's judgment, God's wrath. You have in Exodus chapter 10, the plague of darkness over Egypt. It represents God's punishment, God's judgment. Joel chapter 2, Amos chapter 5 speaks of judgment and darkness. John MacArthur, a pastor out in California, says this. He says, this darkness is not the absence of God. It is the presence of God in full judgment, vengeance, and fury. These are three hours of the wrath of God on His own Son for the judgment of our sin. So those three hours is representing God pouring out His judgment that you and I deserve for our sin onto His own Son. But then there's another miracle. Alongside the supernatural darkness, there's another miracle that takes place. And Luke records for us that during this darkness, this curtain, verse 45, this curtain of the temple was torn in two. And the Gospel writer Matthew and the Gospel writer Mark both record this event alongside of Luke. And there's something supernatural about this curtain of the temple being torn. And just like with the, the darkness illustrating a truth of God, there's this curtain being torn in two illustrates a truth that God is trying to communicate to us. There's something bigger going on than just a curtain being ripped in half. God's illustrating a truth. There's something that He wants you and me to see through this supernatural, this miracle that takes place in the temple. And it's a truth ultimately that's fulfilled at the cross, but illustrated here for us by this torn curtain. And you see, it's here that you and I, we've got to have this moment on Jesus' road to resurrection because it's here where Jesus removes the separation between us and God. It's here where He removes the distance and He says, Get backstage. Come here. I love you. 
Jesus' road to resurrection involves him removing the separation, removing the distance. And this morning I want to share with you the principle that I believe God is communicating to us through this supernatural event with the curtain. I want to look at a couple observations, uh, several responses, and then a challenge. Luke 23, 45, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Charles Spurgeon, whom I love to read and whom I respect greatly as the prince of preachers, as he's known, has this to say about this miracle of the curtain. He says, the rending of the veil of the temple is not a miracle to be lightly passed over. It's not a miracle that should be lightly passed over. And before we look specifically at the temple curtain and the torn curtain, you've got to understand something. God's heart has always been to be with you. It's always been his heart. Always. God illustrated this for us in the garden when Adam and Eve rejected him and they tried to cover themselves and their shame and their guilt with fig leaves and loincloths. What's God do? Genesis 3.8, it says this, And the Lord, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Even after they rejected him, God comes to them. And he walks among them. He walks toward them in the garden. That's love. That's grace. So God coming to Adam and Eve in the garden, God is sharing with us. He's showing us, I want to be with you. I'm coming to you. And he showed it again to us at the incarnation, his first coming, when he sends his own son, Jesus, to us. Matthew chapter 1, 23, which quotes the prophet Isaiah says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel. And you know what that means? God with us. So even in the name that they give him, Emmanuel, God's telling you, and he's telling me, get backstage. I want to be with you. My heart is for you and me to to be together. And then we even see it in a time that's still to come at the second coming when Jesus comes back, which he promised he would do. And when he comes back to make all things right and the gospel or or the disciple of Jesus named John, sees this vision, and it's recorded for us in Revelation chapter 21. And he says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Again, Walking in the garden to Adam and Eve, God saying, I want to be with you. And and I want to be with you so much, I'm going to send my son to you. And and you're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. I want to be with you. And then there's coming a day when, when I'm going to come back and make all things right because I want to be with you. That's God's heart. And I have to ask myself, do I want to be with him? Look at your last week that you spent, your time, your energy. Were you with him? Did you get backstage? Did you spend time with him? Did I? Listen, God's heart is to be with you. And and there you have Luke recording for us the greatest proof we've ever needed of God's heart to be with us is his own son, a bloody mess, hanging on the cross. And while he hangs there on the cross, it's as if God is saying to you, this is how much I want to be with you. This is how badly I want you to get backstage and I want you to be with me. And we've got to understand God's heart. And there's a couple observations here that I want us to see in first observation. It's the temple curtain. 
He says, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now the temple, Exodus 25 verse 8 says that God told His people, His Jewish people, let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And so this temple building became this physical space where God's people met with God. If you wanted to go meet with God, you went to the temple. If you want to meet the president, where do you go? You go to the White House. If you wanted to meet with God, you you go to the temple. That's what it was. You went there to, to... See the presence of God. And inside this temple space were two primary rooms. You had the first room, which was the holy place. And then you had a second room, and they were separated by a curtain. And the second room was called the Holy of Holies, or the most holy place. And that's where the the, the very presence of God dwelt. It's kind of like the White House. You go meet the president at the White House, but there's a specific room, the Oval Office. Right, the, the holy of holies, the holy place. That's where you go and where you would go to meet God specifically, personally, in the temple. God himself said this. He says this in Exodus 30, 26. He says, and you shall hang this curtain and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the curtain. And the curtain shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy place. And so behind this curtain, backstage, behind the curtain was the very person and presence of God. But what's interesting is that only one person was allowed in that most holy place. And only one person was allowed in there. And he was only allowed in there once a year. And it was on the Day of Atonement known as Yom Kippur. And he was only allowed in the most holy place once a year. And it had to be the high priest. Not just any priest, but it had to be the high priest. Only he could go in that space. And only he could go in there once a year. And only he had, could go in there with a blood offering. With a blood sacrifice. He'd take the blood from a sacrificed animal. He'd place it on the mercy seat, the Ark of the, the Covenant, as, as a representation of saying, here's the sacrifice God required for you to cover over the sins of me and the sins of our people. And so imagine if you weren't a priest. Imagine if you weren't a high priest. What would you think about the temple? What would you think about, maybe as a kid you're like, oh, I wonder what, the, wonder what it's like behind the curtain. I wonder what it's like to actually be in the presence of God. Man, I, I wish I was a priest. I wish I was a high priest could go in there. I know he only gets to go in there one, once a year, but at least he gets, gets to go in. And I wonder what the presence of God is like. I wonder what it's like to be in there. But I think really the curtain for most signified separation. It signified off limits. It signified don't enter. It signified keep your distance. Yes, because we're unholy and God is so holy. That unholiness, sin, can't be in the presence of a sinless God. And this curtain was like 60 feet high, they say, 30 to 45 feet wide. It was four inches thick. I mean, this was not just some little sheet. This was a huge, thick, ginormous curtain separating these two spaces, these two rooms. And the significance of this curtain is important because I believe the curtain illustrated a couple things. One, it illustrated how our sins separate us from God. Isaiah says in 59.2, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. So the curtain signifies our sin. It, It separates us. It keeps us out of the presence of God. But Hebrews chapter 10, listen to what the Hebrews writer said. He says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, how? By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. 
And you couple that with 1 Peter 2.24, which says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. In essence, that curtain signifies our sins that separate us from God, but it also signifies the very person of Jesus who would take upon Himself in His flesh the sins of you and me. And so there you have this curtain signifying, illustrating so much. And as a Jew, you would look at the, the, the most holy place and you'd say, that's off limits, I can't go in. Back in February, there's a big concert here in Cincinnati called Winter Jam. Some of you maybe have heard of it. And it's a, a huge three or four hour concert event, if you will. And it's general admission, you pay $10, but you get there early, get in line. So me and the boys went with some of their friends. And so we get there early, real early. And there we, we show up and there's like two lines, right? There's a short line. And then there's a longer line. So being the brilliant ones that we are, we're like, let's go to the short line. All right? So we go and we get in the short line. All right? So we stand in the short line, the shorter line, and we're waiting. We're like, oh, this is great. Can't wait to get in. Well, someone from the concert staff comes out and says, this line is actually for those people who have passes to get backstage, which we didn't have. So what we ended up having to do was ended up having to go to the longer line And we're in the longer line, wishing, jealous, envious, we could be in the shorter line. And so one day, you know, in a moment, be with those people whose music we hear on the radio. But we had to go to the longer line. And I wondered if that's what the curtains signify, that you're in the longer line. We're in the longer line. No access. You're a sinner. No autographs for you. Nothing. No presence. Do not enter. The curtain signifies keep your distance. But this is why this is so important. The curtain, Luke tells us, the curtain of the temple is torn in two. It's torn in two. On that Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, something supernatural happened. At the death of Jesus, that curtain that symbolized separation, do not enter, keep your distance, is torn. From top to bottom, Matthew and Mark tell us. It's torn from top to bottom. That's a divine act of God. And the timing of the tear, as the Gospels tell us, is the moment Jesus breathed his last. Can you imagine being one of the priests or maybe the high priest and you're in the temple and at that moment you see this thing that has never been torn ever, that's impossible to be torn by man and not from bottom to top, not a little poke a hole in it, but from top to bottom, it's split in half. Can you imagine being the person there and seeing and hearing all that happen? And it happened the moment Jesus breathed his last. And it's as if God is saying, listen, come here. At the death of Christ, we see the death of our separation from God available to us, available to you, available to me. The cross screams, get in here, come here, enter in, draw near. If the curtain said, keep your distance, the torn curtain, the cross says, draw near. Come here, God says. That's so amazing. The reason why you and I can get up in the morning and we can immediately talk to God is because of the cross. The reason why you can go to China or El Salvador or across the street or at lunch at work and you can talk to God and you can be in the full presence of God is because of the cross. It's because of the bloody Jesus hanging on the cross that you and I can have full, direct Access into the presence of God 24-7 because of the cross. And there's a couple things here that I think are communicated by this torn curtain provided ultimately through the death of Christ. One is that the separation has been moved 
or been removed. It's kind of like at the death of Christ, for those who repent and receive Christ, you move from the long line. You don't even have to stand in line in the short line. You get to go right in. You get to be a roadie with Jesus. I mean, you get to hang out. You get to spend time with Him. You get to like be in His presence. You get to be there. You get to travel with Him. You get to just enjoy who He is. And He's provided that for you because of the cross. But it also communicates something, not only that the separation is removed, but it communicates that every believer is a priest. It's a theological truth term we call the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer. There's no more because Christ has torn the curtain and the separation has been removed, providing full access in the presence of God through Jesus. There's no more need for a temple, no more need for priests, no more need for animal sacrifices, no more trying to get into God's presence through religious activity or through some other human mediator. No, through Christ you have complete full access into the presence of God. That's the purpose of the cross. And to think anything different belittles the sacrifice of Jesus. Hebrews writer says this about Christ. It says his death on the cross cancels, Hebrews 10, 8, 9, cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. Even Jesus himself said this, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes into the presence of the Father except through me. And Peter writing to the church says this to the church, you are a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. John MacArthur, who I've referenced earlier, has this to say. He says, when that happened, meaning the death of Christ, the temple was obsolete, the high priest was obsolete, all the priests were obsolete, all the sacrifices were obsolete, everything going on in that place that was going on for centuries became obsolete. It was over. They were all shadows. They were all symbols of what was to come. So precisely at the moment the priests were beginning to slaughter animals who could not take away sin, God ripped open His presence because of the sacrifice of one who did take away sin. And he says, what a moment. What a moment. So trying to get into the presence of God through some human priest or religious activity or positive thinking or self-help or mysticism is like growing a garden without water. The only way into the presence of God is through Jesus. And so since Christ, through His death, has removed the separation between us and God, what's our response, church? What's our response? Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. The Hebrews writer, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, I believe he lays out for us several responses for us as followers of Jesus to this reality that you and I can get backstage in the presence of God. Do we get that? Do we truly understand that? That right now you can, together, we're in the presence of God. We're in the presence of God. And at any moment in your walk, any moment in, in the day, you can immediately be and are in the very presence of God if you're a follower of Christ. Hebrews 10, 19-25. He says this, Therefore, brothers, therefore, huge, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, since Jesus has removed the separation between us and God, and since now we can be in full Access into the presence of God by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near 
That's an action. Draw near. He says, because you can get, go backstage, go backstage. Spend time with them. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works for not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Several quick responses. Listen, because Jesus Christ on the cross on Good Friday 2,000 years ago has removed the separation, the response is get in there. Enter. Enter into the presence of God. A.W. Tozer said, every man is as close to God as he wants to be. Enter in. Are you? Do you? Do I? Are you entering into the presence of God? Is this the only time of the week when you actually gather and spend time in the presence of God? Christ and the cross has given you, if you're a follower of His and repented of your sins and received Christ, you have full access to Him. 24-7. One of the responses, he says, enter the holy places, be present with God. And then he says in 22, let us draw near. He says it again differently in chapter 4 of Hebrews 14 and 16. He says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Let us hold fast our confession and let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Listen, never take for granted that the only means, the only way you are able to pray and talk to God directly is because of the cross. Because of Jesus hanging there. That's what makes prayer possible. Because He's torn down the curtain. He's removed the separation. And so we should never take prayer lightly. Ever. Ever. Because of the cost that was provided so we could pray. And he says, be praying. Listen, if you've given, it wasn't like when we went to go see Louis Giglio and Chris Tom, they gave us a backstage pass, and so I had the pass. I'm like, no, forget it. That's all right. No, I'm there. I'm going. God's saying, I've given you a backstage pass into my presence. Come here. Talk with me. Spend time with me. I want to get to know you, and I want you to get to know me. Come here. And then he says, let us hold fast the confession. He says, be protecting. Embrace this faith because it's only through Jesus that a person has full access into the presence of God. And he says, you champion that. You you communicate that. You share that. You tell people that. There's no other way into the presence of God but through Jesus Christ. And he says, you hold firm to that confession and you make it known. So you protect it. And then he says, let us stir one another up, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some. Habit of some. And that word stir up means to irritate <laughs> in a positive way, right? To, irritate, to, to rub together. That's a, you can't stir one another up to follow and live Jesus unless you're with one another. And he said, you've got to make being with the church a priority for you if you're really going to live out the commands and, and the living Christ that he calls us to. You've got to be with his people. And so you need to be present with his people. They met daily, Acts 2 tells us. And see, it's not about coming to church. Don't ever confuse being the church or, or, or use the excuse of being the church for not being with the church. Okay, don't, don't do that. We talk a lot about being church, and we are. But let us never 
Use being the church for an excuse for not being with the church. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Be present with God's people. Why? Because when God's people get together in God's presence, God does something. God does something incredible when His people gather. Last Sunday, right in the midst of our gathering, 13-year-old girl gives her heart to Jesus. That's a supernatural thing that only God can do, and it happened here last Sunday. In your living community, when you get together and you rub shoulders with one another, you're seeing God transform hearts and move people into obedience as they follow Jesus. Don't, he's saying, don't stop doing that. And listen, let me just say a quick word to parents. Listen, moms, dads, if being in the presence of God with God's people is not important to you, you're communicating that God's presence isn't important to you. His presence isn't important. This isn't about a legalistic thing. This is about being in the presence of God that's been provided for us by the cross. So when your living community gathers, make that a priority. When the church gathers, make it a priority. Not to check it off your list, but to say, I can't wait to see what God's going to do when we get together. Because I believe God's going to show up. I believe He's going to do something. And here's what's interesting about being backstage. You know what's interesting about being backstage? If you've ever had the opportunity of going backstage, here's what's interesting. It's not about you. When I went backstage to see Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin, Louis and Giglio, they had no clue who I was. They weren't like, oh, Mark, awesome. Get in here. How's life? How's Andrea? How are the kids? Let's chat. Want to go have coffee afterward? wasn't about me. It was about the person whose presence I was in. You see, when you come backstage, when God says, listen, I've, I've removed the separation, I've provided the opportunity for you to get backstage and be with me, it's not about you and me. It's about Him. It's about being with Him and learning of Him and spending time with Him. That's what it's about. I'm going to ask the band to come as we sing a final song together this morning. But I want you to, I want you to think this morning, the challenge is, is simple, just Get backstage with God. He's provided the way. And he says, enter in. Get backstage. Come into my presence. That's what the cross was for. And if you're here feeling distant from God's presence this morning or you feel unworthy of being in his presence, just look at the cross. Just look at the cross because the curtain said, keep your distance. The cross says, draw near. And the cross is God saying to you, get in here. Get in here. I got some great stuff that I want you to experience when you're with me. And so the challenge is simple, really, to get backstage with God, to enter in, to go behind the curtain. And in fact, there is no curtain anymore if you're a follower of Jesus. You have full direct access to him. Would you stand with me? Jesus' road to resurrection is such good news because it reveals to us, to you and to me this morning, that regardless of how far from God you may feel, or unworthy you may feel from his being in his presence, he says to you through the cross, at the cross, come here. Come here. And so I just, as they play a little bit, I just want to, in the, in the moment, you just to kind of quietly, if you want to close your eyes, you want to pray, I just want you to get in the presence of God this morning. I want you to talk to him right where you stand. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to know that the cross was so that you could become his. And maybe right there in your seat, just like the young girl did last Sunday, maybe right there you're going to just repent and say, Jesus, I turn from my sins. I receive you now and bring me into the presence of God.
And he promises he will do that. But just take this moment to just thank God for the cross. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the opportunity to go backstage and be in his presence this morning.